We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Talk of Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Warrior Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in the final episode, by the way, of 2022 Casual Friday, although there's been not a lot of uh, casual stuff going on here in Buffalo. But anyway, as always, on Fridays, I'm joined by my good buddy Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Uh, Jesus, man, where, where, where do we even begin? What's going on, Chris, Christmas just just a week ago, not even a week ago, and normally we'd be talking about that and whatever dad gifts we got and shit like that, but uh, yeah, I mean, we all know the big story this week here in Buffalo, and I haven't had an opportunity. I know you've had a lot going on. Um, really haven't had a chance to talk to you much this week. I did hear you. We were talking about this on here for a couple minutes before we go on, before we got rolling here. Uh, did a show your show with Greg Thompson last yeah. night at Cover One, and uh, yeah, so I know a little bit, but for people listening and watching who may, might not have caught that, uh, uh, how did this blizzard like affect you guys back uh, in, in the Quinn home, yeah, in uh, in Tonawanda? Well, so now in hindsight and seeing the stuff that's going on for other people, um, the blizzard didn't impact us all that much, even though in the moment it felt scary and um. Really, like we were talking offline, just really nothing I'd ever seen before. I've lived in Buffalo now a decade. Yeah, I've lived in the Northeast my whole life. I've experienced a lot of weather situations. Um, and this one was just different. Uh, it's hard to explain because I'm looking out a window right now. and we It looks like a beautiful spring day. Yeah, there's snow on the ground, but it's I can see spots of grass. Like it's melting away. And that's kind of the weird thing about winter storms is when you're in them, it's super intense and you're not really sure how it's going to uh, go. And then afterwards it, it can be nice and, and sunny, but I know not all people had the same experience I had. They had power outages for a long time. Obviously a lot of people died uh, in this weather event. And so uh, all things considered, we had it pretty easy. we lost power for six hours, but the heat in my house never dipped below 62. You know, we kept our heat pretty well and we were all mm-hmm. bundled up and ready to go. And we did a good job prepping uh, for stuff and hats off to the town of Tonawanda, man. We pay a lot of money in taxes uh, here. My mortgage is mostly, taxes uh but they did a fantastic job as best they could in the situation i did the plows were running up until you really couldn't drive anything else safely anymore and then they were out as soon as they could be getting those roads it was a pain in the ass because they piled up the driveways pretty good but to get those roads cleared so that the fire trucks the ambulances and things like that could get going my hat's off to them because it's not the case everywhere Um, my wife works downtown buffalo just opened up for traffic today um, and even in that, they have roads closed and are swooping ice or, uh, ice and snow out to get it to central terminals and stuff like that because there's still roads that just aren't even plowed down there. So I feel for all the people that got stuck in this thing, man. It was nasty, Pat. How did you guys do down where you were? We didn't get to West talk Attica. a ton. Yeah. Ditto, ditto. What, what, I'm going to reiterate most of what you said and with, uh, with Tonawanda. West Seneca did a, uh, did a really fantastic job, job of, of keeping uh, – roads plowed up pretty much through the, the entire process except for when and that's probably a little harder out. down there because i feel like you guys have more uh it's a, gets a little more rural where you're at where tonawanda is like you can just run the plow up and down these roads yeah. in tonawanda pretty easy it was pretty good here all things considered and by the way 
I, I, I know what you're saying. People had it a lot worse than us, so we're not going to sit here and, and bitch and moan about inconveniences that happen to us. But losing your power for six hours is not nothing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not nothing. With, with kids, it's different, right? If it was just me and my wife or me and a roommate, I've done that before. We, sure. In Maine, I've been without a power in the winter for eight days or something like that. And living with a roommate and you're running propane heaters inside with the windows open, like I, I can live real I've, I've lived in poverty situations before I can live in bad situations. But when you have kids, there's a different level of responsibility and people, my neighbors, people that you care for, you're trying to provide situations where uh, that you are feel secure and safe. So um, it's stressful for sure. And it made for a weird Christmas Eve, um, which was a mild inconvenience again, in terms of what other people had to go through. Yeah. And look, I've, there's things that, should have been done different and there's no question about that and and you're right people again had it way worse i did not lose power for six hours Mm -hmm. but i'm going to tell you this and i don't have to i'm calling myself out you know but i just don't feel comfortable being a hypocrite when i criticize people and things for doing something i did so and i'll give you the condensed version because i don't want to spend an hour and a half you know our entire time talking about a, a storm and stupid things that i did but anyway so i wake up friday morning it was little before 9 a.m. Instantly, my power goes out. And I talked to um, a buddy of mine who lives the next street over. He got me nervous. He got me. He you scare tactics. I don't think he did sure. it on purpose, but he's like, hunker down, buddy. Yeah, it could be. You know, well. you, you're going to be it's going to be like this for a couple of days. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. OK, so it's quarter after nine. The power's out. The storm's starting, like the snow's blowing, but it, it obviously hasn't really picked up yet, and it's nothing too Not crazy. Not full capacity, yeah. You're right, and now I should add another part of the story because this is important. My wife w- didn't sleep home on Thursday night. She was at her, her mother's house. Now, my mother-in-law has two places where she lives. One's in Orchard Park, one's in Lackawanna. Oh, um, wow. My wife still helps take care of a house. She's kind of in a transition, my mother-in-law, with, with movie <laughs> stuff. So my, my wife was in Lackawanna. And okay. I'm like, man, I ain't getting stuck for Christmas and Christmas Eve. And this is a mentality a lot of people had. And I think this is a, the biggest reason why so many cars got stranded and led to such carnage that it did. I made a decision. I, I got Shane up. And we went to, with the power out, at about before 10 o'clock, before 10 a.m. I packed food, blankets in case we got stuck in the car, all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, we, we took a ride to Lackawanna, which for my house is like less, maybe not even 10 minutes. I get out. I drive down the street. It, it, it's pretty shitty out. Yeah. It's getting white out conditions already, but it's not like the wind isn't horrible yet. And it had accumulated. Like, right. I it, say it started here in Tonawanda around like 9, 9.30 a.m. Yeah, Friday, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, was, it was bad conditions visibility-wise, but yeah, you could still drive. Sure. Now, the snow was bad. The wind was yeah. bad. But to your point, there weren't um, drifts yet. There wasn't snow being pushed, you know, f- a foot of snow or whatever. So anyway, long story short, we make it there. Then I find out not long after we get there that our power's already back on. What happened was somebody crashed into a, a tree or something like that and then knocked out power for a couple streets. And this is where I got dumb. And this is around noon. We, we made a decision <laughs> to get back to this house. So we did it again. Going back. It was significantly worse. Like the whiteouts were worse. And now you're talking snow drifts. We're starting to build up. There were a couple of times where we almost got stuck. Obviously, they got. What do you drive? Something. Um, It was a. Actually, we used my son's car. He's got a Nissan Sentra. It's a small car, but it's good in this. It's pretty good in the snow. Sure. But we made it. I mean, that's the big thing. But it it got sketchy. You know, uh, I got nervous and we almost did get stuck twice. If we would have waited another hour, I guarantee you, we would not have made it back home. So terrifying prospect, man. So we got home, never lost power again um, throughout the rest of the storm. Mm -hmm. I'm glad in a way we did, but in a way I'm not. Shouldn't have done it. Got lucky, especially when you hear all these stories of people that got stranded for hours and hours and hours. And I know a couple of people who did. And, you know, this led to some deaths. It's just, uh, it, it was really stupid on my part. My Again, my rationale was I'm not spending, not spending Christmas with my wife. And I know yeah. a lot of people thought that, you know, it's like, hey, yeah. you know, I know there's a blizzard going on, but, you know, Christmas at grandma's a tradition, you know, or, yeah. or my wife was stuck at work and whatever it may be. So, yeah, like I said, I it, it was a stupid mistake 
It's tough, own. man, though, because like also Lackawanna got crushed yeah. in the storm too. So like that's not that probably wasn't a great place to stay because you might have gotten stuck longer in that right. situation. Um, I hope that somebody was able to help your mother-in-law get in and out of uh, her house and get her. She was in Orchard out. Park and she never oh, okay. left. She was, she yeah, was okay. they, they were they were perfectly fine. She was never in Lackawanna. She was in Orchard Park. Yeah, the whole it, time. It's tough for me again. Like I try to have as much perspective as I can if I'm going to talk about stuff because I understand that my experiences aren't the same as other people's. And because I'm a stay at home dad, um, we were able to, you know, follow the news and be prepared for this. I went out and got our shopping done, you know, on Wednesday, Me too. um, got everything done. And we were pretty much in shutdown mode as of like Thursday night, not knowing we're supposed to be like real bad rain. Thursday yeah. night, like 40 degrees, five inches of rain overnight, and then a flash freeze that night was supposed to happen. That didn't really occur. We got like right. a little bit of rain, looked like it wasn't going to be that bad. I dealt with some plumbing issues during this pad. If people are familiar with the Western New York area, roots grow into the pipes and the pipes crack all the time. Mm-hmm. I spent thousands of dollars fixing it. We had an emergency plumbing issue again. So I'm freaking out that night, like trying to, I don't want to go anywhere. I know that roads are going to be shutting down. Eventually I do get it fixed. But I, I think our situation allowed us to be prepared, allowed us to get home. My wife's office was preemptive in like emailing ahead of time of the storm saying like, hey, we're going to shut down. We're going to close this out. We're like, don't come into work or leave early on Thursday. We need to get everybody home. Um, I don't think that everybody's jobs, everybody's lifestyles was conducive to that. Their bosses weren't as understanding. They didn't have a spouse at home to take Agreed. care of some of those things. So I think people were making some decisions based on, Hey, they have to work that ship shift up until the storm's already bad. And if they don't, their boss, they feel pressure that they're going to get fired or whatever it is. And they can't, they in the lifestyle where they can't afford that situation. So I think there's a lot of pressure for people to be out traveling, whether it was like you, that feeling of Christmas and family and one, I wanting to be alone or it was like, Hey, I got to be at work till this time. Like my yeah. boss just isn't going to let me leave and I have to be out on the roads and there's really no good answer uh, for that in this type of situation because i'll tell you man like i was i was saying friday uh what was it friday night saturday night i was trying to keep vents cleared for some of my elderly neighbors trying to mm-hmm. keep their doorways cleared like I, I had seen the um there's a ton of wanda fire twitter account that does all the ems and fire reporting for the area so if i hear sirens i check that they're usually right up to the minute checking the scanners all they were saying is like this EMS is stuck. This ambulance is stuck. This fire truck. And so I knew nobody was getting out of their house if they had an emergency, but I wanted to be able to open your door. Like once ambulances are going, can we get a stretcher up to these people's doors? Like that was the only thought in my mind because I was seeing just all this kind of potential carnage happening with like first responders, not being able to get in and out of places. And I'll tell you, dude, walking across the street in full snow gear with that wind blowing piles of drifts of snow. Like it's hard. It was exhausting. I was yeah. just like, I'd come back into the house after an hour of being out there with my cheeks almost frostbitten, dude. Like, I've never seen conditions like that. It's like what you see in, uh, you know, Antarctic explorers out during a blizzard. It was un- yeah. unbelievable. And so I couldn't imagine a, a parent or something like that trying to get home and their car gets stuck and they try to go for a walk. Like, it's so exhausting. I can understand how it just ends very badly to where people are dying out there in these snowstorms because it's it's if you're not prepared for it, man, there's no way people should be out in it. And some people were forced to be. It was the perfect storm, literally and figuratively. The only thing <laughs> it was like 40 was, hours that thing just stuck over. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, man, meteor- meteorologists have been, and maybe it's technology in today's world as opposed to even a handful of years ago it just seems to be a lot more they're they're a lot more spot on with the predictions the one thing though that was off i will say this because with my other job at work the plan was originally we were we were going to work until at least 12 and until it started snowing then everybody was going to get out on and that's also another reason why um, my wife ended up, she slept in Lackawanna, wasn't worried about because it, it wasn't supposed to start getting that bad until noon. Like you, I paid really close attention. I went Wednesday night. My house is, was stocked with snacks and food and all kinds of stuff too. So I was prepared for it, but it did start a couple hours earlier. That mm-hmm. was the only difference. But, um, you know, you said this is the worst storm you've ever been. This is the worst storm I've ever been through. And I've, uh, you know, dude, I'm 
51 years old, man. And I've lived in Buffalo for 46 years of my life. Yeah. I was a little kid, so I was too young to remember. But I was alive for the blizzard of 77. Yeah. All these other snowstorms, just, it's not even close. I mean, I got a neighbor that's in his 80s, and I I shoveled him out, and the first thing he said was like, this is the worst thing I've seen in my life. And when these guys, like, he's no joker. He's not a recency bias guy. When they're talking like that, like, it's legitimate. I At some point on Friday, it was like mid-afternoon. I I mean, I bundled up. I went outside just to kind of get a feel. Went in my driveway, not even to the corner of my driveway, but I went in my driveway. It felt like if you were driving in a car, and you stuck your head out your window going 65 miles an hour when it's only 30 degrees outside, the wind hitting your face. That's exactly what it felt like. So it was bad, man. There were some scary moments. The the worst night <clears throat> where the would like standard winds were like around 40 miles an hour and the gusts were up to whatever there was some registered at the airport of like 79 mile an hour winds. And where I live, it's a fairly condensed uh, population here, right? Uh, First ring suburb. There's these old trees out in front of and behind everybody's houses. And I was, again, trying to be out there and maintain all this stuff during the storm, trying to stay ahead of it. Dude, some of these limbs, like you could hear them just cracking and just the way the wind was pounding on everything. You, my shovel blew out of my hands a couple of times. Like it, I probably shouldn't even have been out there shoveling in it like it was probably that was probably a dumb dangerous thing to do but um yeah crazy man never have seen anything what it was it wasn't i've seen snow come down sideways and and i've seen large snowfalls i've experienced multiple feet of snow it was i think how long and sustained those conditions went on for it was really like a 40 hour straight every time you thought it was going to go away or shrink or go down it just hung out there Uh, And that's what I've never experienced such long sustained punishment from weather before. It's uh, it's been, it's been a very ugly week. It was an ugly week, obviously because of the snow and and physically. And by the way, again, I I talked about this on the podcast earlier this week, little personally frustrated because I felt like Christmas was ruined in a way because of this storm, which it was for everybody. (laughs) But at the end of the day, dude, I, I sat there with my family on Christmas morning. The Christmas tree's on. The lights are on. The heat's on. <clears throat> yeah, we were lucky. around the tree, opening it up. I am damn blessed compared to a lot of other people. I know a girl, a good friend of mine, who was with. She went to pick up her her son from her baby daddy's house. She yeah. lives in South Buffalo. Baby daddy lives like somewhere around the first ward area. Mm-hmm. Went there on Friday. No power in that house. Got stuck. No power. Just got home. We're taping this Thursday morning. She just got home mid Wednesday. Five days. Still, a kid still hasn't gotten his Christmas gifts, and well, he has now when we're taping this. But five days at a house that you did not want to be at that did not have power. She kept having to go out to her car to charge her her, her phone, you know, and use up a little gas here and there. Luckily, she had a full tank of gas. But again, people had it so much harder. And that's yeah. even, and there's people who had a lot worse than she did too. So yeah. I, trust me, I get it. But anyway, an ugly week, not just because of the physical damage and the carnage, but just, I mean, just like with anything else, as the days go by, Aaron, you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, and everybody is a, is a you know, uh, an armchair quarterback mm-hmm. and how things should be done and criticizing this and criticizing that. The one thing I will say though, and this was a mistake, and you can kind of hear Mark Poland polling cars on Twitter on Wednesday, more or less admitting that he effed up without saying it, that he effed up. But yes, having more snowplow removers ready, having potentially the nasty, you know, the storm's coming. We knew for a week it was coming. Having more stuff like that in place would have helped. But at the end of the day, the only thing that was going to prevent things from getting catastrophic was the driving ban. And that's where things got bad because, yeah. you know, you just talked about it. People going to work on Friday morning, that driving ban. And I double checked. I didn't want to make sure I was putting out inaccurate information. The driving ban went into effect shortly after 9 a.m. on Friday morning, knowing this storm was coming. 9 a.m. Friday morning is early for a lot of lazy people like me. Right. But for a lot of uh, Western New Yorkers, 9 a.m. is kind of late. People get up at 5, 6 in the morning and they go to work. Mm-hmm. And had this driving ban went into place and they said Thursday or Wednesday or even Thursday, hey, at 12.01 a.m. Friday morning, there is a driving ban. This storm's coming. It's going to be bad. We kept hearing about it's going to be a generational storm, right? Yeah. I I heard that word several times throughout the week leading up to the storm. Why was was there not a driving ban in place? 
I think the going response, into Friday morning. I think that's the biggest reason what led to a lot of what what happened. Yeah, one another area of perspective that again I don't have. Uh, I used to have a little bit more. My dad worked third shift, mm-hmm. and those third shift workers, there's a lot of people out there that are working while the majority of people are sleeping and still stuff. And at least I'm not trying to defend Mark Polencar's here at all. I don't actually particularly have an opinion on him or don't care. See, um, but I'm I do of, think I'm out of. I'm not to cut you off. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, not yeah. a Mark, Mark Polencar's hater by any no, means. Go no, ahead. No. Go ahead. Make, go ahead. Yeah, and I just think that he. Um, there was probably lots of information coming in at that time of trying to get people home, uh, knowing that employers weren't going to do it until travel ban. But I do think, in hindsight, from what I've seen, he admitted that there probably should have been instituted sooner. Um, at least the way the weather, the way I was following it, I would like to think that if I was in charge of that, being the worry wart that I am, I would have done something of the night before because that, we didn't end up getting it. But again, that flash freeze event that they were predicting would have been very devastating. I think much more devastating to the storm. Um, and that was supposed to be early on. Right. And yeah. that would have been d- difficult travel where you have 40 degrees and, um, you know, raining an inch an hour overnight. That's tough in this Buffalo area with our sewers. Like if we get a five inch rain day here, yards are flooded. Um, mm-hmm. basements are backed up, things like that are happening. So you would have all that stuff and then you'd have a flash freeze event on top of it overnight where the temperature was supposed to drop 30, 40 degrees in like two hours. That's a devastating event. That's where tree limbs just freeze and break off. And then that wind comes in and you're in big trouble. And so we didn't get that, but that was what was expected. And so overnight, they probably should have cut traffic having expected some weird weather anomaly event that you knew was going to be dangerous, no matter how it played out. Um, And the worst, best case scenario or worst case scenario is the weather doesn't work out that way, but you don't have a bunch of people bailing their cars and dying on your roads because you didn't have it in effect look once the storm came and it got bad driver uh snow plow drivers snow removals they all got pulled they had to because it was like life-threatening it was dangerous out so nobody could plow a a road for a long stretch of time and i completely understand that and you're right about third third shift workers but again you know by wednesday the storm is going to be generational you put it out there that come Friday night or Thursday night at 12.01, no driving. That means people are going to work. Shut down your businesses. Exactly. And people who are supposed to work third shift Thursday overnight in the Friday, they don't go to work that night. It's as simple as that. Because National Guard stuff, though, people are talking about, like, getting National Guard here. And they should have been. But that needs to come from, like, the governor, right? Governor's got to institute getting the National Guard there ahead of time. I know they called the state emergency before the storm started to, like, initiate some of the use of funds that you get from a state of emergency, but they didn't enact mobilizing troops here, mobilizing additional support here outside of, they did get uh, power people here to your point though, uh, pulling the trucks off the road. When we lost power, we were monitoring uh, if there was anybody assigned to our power outage, what the Mm -hmm. reporting on the outage was, what other outages we're looking at. And it looked terrible when we got on there people that were out similar to you as like 10 30 a.m and we're like seven o'clock at night looking at this they still haven't had an assignment like nobody was even working on those jobs and we're like damn it we're gonna be screwed and all of a sudden we got a i saw a tweet that said they were pulling national grid guys off the lines because it was just too dangerous of a situation Mm -hmm. this is like nine o'clock at night they're like "We're, we're calling it we're gonna try to get them back out there first thing in the morning but this has become too dangerous and then I just was like, oh, son of a bitch. And literally like 20 minutes after that tweet came out, my power kicked on. So they must have been just like grinding on our pole or something. These guys last are minute. They're the um, heroes of this storm. They're, it really no, is. No question about it. But at the end of the day, we couldn't you could have a million people with, with plows. But if you can't get down a street because cars are getting stranded, there's nothing they could do. And that's the single biggest problem. What led to all this carnage? was people and again this is why i wanted to preface me being an idiot so that i'm not being too hypocritical now granted it was very early friday when i drove but still i did do it people took chances because of maybe work because of holiday christmas family or just because they're idiots there's a combination of all that stuff Hmm? so you know cars are stuck all over the place especially in the city i mean i heard somebody told me who's been doing plowing for all week long he said it literally like around the clinton uh Kaiser Town area literally looks like an apocalypse with well, just cars. There's that, just cars all over the place, stranded and yeah. abandoned. I think there's a lot to your point. 
kind of getting into this conversation, there was a lot of pointing fingers, who's to blame. And I think that that was also annoyingly happening on a political level. I don't want to get political here, but like seeing that pointing fingers as to who's to blame. But sure. At the end of the day, like there's a lot of problems in Erie County, but there's a lot of problems with how the cities run. And I wouldn't have had faith in the city's ability to maintain this storm no matter what. And that's where like bigger leaders either at the state level or wherever should have known that too. Like if I'm a common dude that's lived outside, just outside the city for all these years and know that they don't use their tax dollars well and know that they don't maintain their stuff well and and know that they would be ill-prepared for something like this, that's where I would have gotten the support as much as possible because I know the town of Tonawanda will dig out. I know West Seneca will dig out. Mm -hmm. Um, It speaks to the bigger problem that we've seen pop up a number of times here in Buffalo of the segregation that we see where the whole area is high tax area. All of Erie County is a high tax area. A lot of revenue comes through this area, but one particular area seems to be limited in resources, limited in what people do with resources. There's corruption that runs super deep throughout it. And so um, that is just a systemic problem right now in Buffalo that uh, until that gets fixed, when you have situations like this, a natural disaster or whatever it is, those situations are, those areas are going to be so much more impacted and we have to find ways um, to make sure that South Buffalo places on the East side uh, aren't just buried in snow for a week because they happen to live in an area that just doesn't handle their municipality resources well at all. Completely agree. And one last thing too, and look, you just said it, I'll reemphasize it too. Say no political podcast. Aaron and I don't talk politics. No, stuff much, no. But I'm going to say this. But everyone's looking I, to point fingers like everyone's to blame here. Yes, I a hundred percent agree. Look, I grew up on the west side, so this is in the one thing I'll say in defensive of Byron Brown. The only thing I'm gonna say in defensive of him is this ain't some new man. I again I grew up in Buffalo 40 years ago, okay? Right. And it was always terrible with snow removal. Uh, like since I've been alive, it's it Buffalo is always the worst at getting snow off the streets. At, at it's hard. Cities are tough, street. man. Where are you gonna put it? It's always yes. And that is part of it too. Again, sometimes it's easy to be an armchair quarterback when you don't yeah. realize things. I did. I drive down South Buffalo sh- streets like crazy all week long. And I'm telling you this, they're tight. They're tight streets. And here's another thing, Aaron. You always get a jerk parking on the street. That's not supposed to be where you live in Tonawanda, where I live in West yeah. Seneca. Most, not all, but a lot of uh, homes are single family homes that have driveways. Yeah. And in some cases a garage. In South Buffalo, on the west side, the east side, Kaisertown, Lovejoy, there's a lot of um, upper and, and lower apartments. And yes. A lot of people have roommates, and you only got one driveway. So tons of people park on the street. These are yeah. narrow streets, and now you got one side already taken, you know, with cars. And I'm not even talking about this blizzard of 2022. I'm just talking about general when it snows annoyingly yeah. a lot. So plows have a hard time getting down there, or they only plow half the street because, you know, it's Monday through Wednesday, and the cars are parked on this side of the street. It's always been, it's just been terrible. But again, to me, leadership, don't you feel like leadership to me, one quality of being a good leader is getting people to do what you want them to do or what you think is right. That's what being a good leader is. And that's my biggest thing with Byron Brown. I 99% of the criticism going his way is deserved. If they would have did a better job, and this is the bottom line, polling cars, Byron Brown, the governor, everybody. They didn't do a good enough job of convincing people and conveying to people that you need to not be driving because for whatever. Now, again, Christmas and to try to get cars off the roads, like we need to find ways. Maybe that's something mm-hmm. they do in the future where the local government or state government uh, subsidizes uh, parking spaces for people and some of the garages that are going to be empty anyway if you can get your car here uh, in buffalo to a local garage like we'll get transport back and forth to get these cars off the road like we've been through these storms like to your point man not not even generational ones um there's issues in buffalo whenever the snow happens there was big a big safety issue uh recently that got shown which has probably always been an issue downtown but just got shown because Twitter gives you access and Instagram where people were recording middle school kids that live down in the city and are walking it back and forth to school, trying to walk over around these snow banks and in areas where you can't sure. see, man, that, that's a huge safety issue for a number of people that don't have transit that are trying to walk to bus stops and the bus stops buried under snow and people are kind of standing out in the street. Like those are not also safety issues. So there's gotta be some ways to mitigate some of this stuff early 
obviously the these situations these once in generational situations where you can't get out the plow are different but it shouldn't be three four days later right it should be they should still be at the type of capacity and the type of planning and preparation where similar to these suburban towns are able to that next day start to get people and services out to people that need it um you're seeing organizers private organizers this on twitter people getting plows and equipment out there because they are getting the roads clear, but they're still buried. People are still buried in their driveways without this equipment. Right. And so they're trying to get people in there to help get people out. So planning and preparation could probably mitigate some of this. I don't think you can ever get rid of all the problems that come with these natural sure. disasters, but you could probably have mitigated a number of things with the right type of preparation. So Absolutely. hopefully they learn from this, man. There were going to be deaths no matter what. There was going to be major issues no matter what. But again, the cars being stuck all over the city, well, all over Western New York, but specifically the city that prevented first responders from getting to people that caused deaths. You know, people got stranded in their cars who should not have been driving or they felt like they had you because they had to work or get, get to wherever, and they ended up perishing in their in their cars. It's, it's just terrible. Anyway, <laughs> it's funny. We we could probably have a three hour podcast where we don't talk about anything else. I mean, it's uh, a once in a lifetime event for sure. Yeah, yeah, now I got that true. boomer story for myself, where it's like I lived through a once in a lifetime generation. I blame moment. you know who you know who really is to blame for all this is it's not the mayor, it's not the executive. It's not the governor. It's not. It's not the citizens of Western New York. You know what it is? It's a. It's a twenty-year-old kid in in Bradenton, Florida. He's the one who's to blame for all this shit. What do you do? I'll tell you why, real quick. So, we moved back to Buffalo after living in Florida for five years. We did that last year. My, my son still has a yep. couple really close friends from high school, two or three that he still talks to all the time. And uh, he has a one. His one buddy was supposed to come up the weekend of November eighteenth through twentieth. Now. The kids aren't 21 yet, so they can't drink like they can't go to a Buffalo bar. So they were planning on having a weekend in Canada in Toronto where they could go out yeah. and get their fun on. Yeah. So the weekend of November 18th through 20th, he, he books a flight on that Thursday night. And that ended up being the snowstorm that we got six weeks ago that rivaled uh, November of 2014. Yep. If you remember yep. that. So his flight got canceled. Was that really six weeks ago? Yeah. Crazy. Dude, this was the third significant snowstorm that we've gotten of 2022 in like the last six and weeks. And actually, winter no, only started like last week. We haven't yeah. even, like, we just officially started. <laughs> Scary to think of that. Oh, guess what? We only got two and a half more months of this yeah. shit left. Uh-huh. But anyway, so that happened November 18th through 20th. So the kid had got his flight canceled. And then they said, hey, you know what? I'm going to, uh, I'll come up for New Year's. And I'll spend a couple of days before the New Year's and a couple of days after. So he's going to spend a week up. At the end of the year. Well, yep. guess what happened <laughs> this past week? His flight got canceled yesterday. He was supposed to be in yesterday on Wednesday, and his flight got canceled. So this kid twice has tried to book a flight to Buffalo to come hang out with Shane, and both times he's tried to book his flight have been these two crazy storms that we've had. Exact same weekends and everything. Because these storms have been all coming on the weekend, by the way, all of them. So it's his fault, not not uh, not anyone I'll else. take it, man. I'll, I'll blame him. We'll pile on him. Start a hashtag. Before we take a quick break and talk bills, one, one last thing. This is the last yep. episode of the year. And again, yeah. how can you not be? This is what's depressing, Aaron. And this is why I think a lot of people are in shitty moods. Christmas is supposed to be fun. You know, it's a good time of year. Right. And we're talking about, we just spent a half hour talking about the doom and gloom of, oh, of a yeah. generational once in a lifetime kind of snowstorm here. But uh, anyway, last episode of the year, mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you this specifically, especially without telling you at a time, but. Sure. Are you a are you a New Year's resolution kind of guy? Like, I'm not going to yeah. ask you what, if you have resolutions, but are you a New Year's resolution kind of guy? Like, do, are you starting? Have you started to think about yep. some things that you want to do? You know, for 2022, have you? I some people call them resolutions. I call them setting goals for the next sure. year. You know what I mean? I I haven't really started to do that yet, but I'm going to. Are you that kind of guy? Yeah, we do it every year. My wife and I, uh, we really, I think about it like this week leading up I'll, when I'm doing dishes or something, kind of like, oh, what am I going to do? But we really don't. Uh, what we do is we look back at our years, uh, previous ones. We need to start looking back at it probably quarterly because uh, we forget some of them every year when we look back. We're like, oh, I forgot I was going to do that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my hit rate's low on resolutions. I might be at like 15, 20% all time hit rate. Uh, but I, what I've done over the years now is we keep a little lists and I've tried to really limit it to like five to 10 things and try to make it attainable ones. And 
if I do hit it a year or two in a row, then up it from there. But it's minor tend to be similar to everybody else's. I got a weight loss one or a health one in there every single year, trying to read more books, some of that stuff, work something about the podcast, get better at something and all that. And I think it's, you know, some of my friends, give me a hard time about that stuff and resolutions are stupid, but I think goal setting matters whether or not you hit them or not. I think it's good to want to improve yourself or your situation. And so I won't ever knock anyone for, even if it's the short lived or whatever, uh, looking inward and trying to find ways to improve yourself. I think that that's a a pretty awesome tradition. So we try to maintain it, uh, but I don't think I hit very many this year. I can't remember all of them, but there's a few that I was like, Oh man, I should have probably been working on that. I'm going to hit it. I asked you there's a specific reason why I asked you this question. And it's um so last night it's one or two in the morning. Aaron and I tape this show Thursdays at 9 30. So by the way, if something significant and crazy happens on on Thursday during the day, Aaron and I already put this uh this episode in the bank. But I asked you this because I had done literally no show prep for this at all. I had a lot of stuff going on yesterday. It's one in the morning. I said, all right, I got to start down and at least figure out a couple bullet points for Aaron and I to talk about. And then I get a message from fucking Joe at Buffalo Wins on Twitter. Yeah. I, and I call him my friend of me. Okay. Yeah. My, and I, I realized, and we, the next, we proceeded for the next hour and a half to go at it and start fighting, which was a continuation of us fighting. I'm talking about Facebook, like messaging. Yeah. Messaging back and forth. It, it was a continuation of like pretty much the last three days. And I'm like, this is what I realized. I, I need to stop. Like, I'm going to throw one resolution out there for me right now. You can't convince people of something that they believe in. You're not going to change people's minds. So don't waste so much negative energy and focus fighting with somebody when you know that you're not going to be able to change their minds. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I do that all the time. And I Joe's think- the same. And look, I'm not saying Joe's wrong about this and I'm right about sure. this. That's not what I'm saying. And we're him and I have a good relationship on the podcast yeah. when we're looking at each other. When we see each other in person, we're terrible friends on social media. I hate what he says. He hates what I say. And it leads to at least private for the most part fights all the time. And I'm like, I ain't convincing him of like things I don't want to talk about on the air and vice versa. And it's like, yeah, we still, I go back and I look at the messages. I'm like, we fight about the same fucking things over and over and over and over again. And nothing is going to change. I waste so much negative energy fighting with people on topics when you're not going to change the other person's mind. Just I used to do it all the time, dude. My Facebook, <sighs> like circa 2007, 8, 9, was terrible, super political, super passionate. And I thought my goal out there was like, I don't care if I piss off 50 people as long as I change one person's mind, right? Like right. that was my thing. Like if I can convince one person and every once in a while you did, um, but it's toxic. It's not good. Uh, And most of the time you're not, you're right. You're not going to change people's minds. You're not going to change their opinions. And my thing now is unless those are dangerous opinions, like unless your opinions lead to uh, putting people at risk or are like dangerous towards people or make people feel uh, whatever it is towards themselves. um, I can tolerate disagreements and just like, I really don't want to hear about it. Like, let's just not talk about it. We're going to end up fighting. That's not fun. I like you. Like, let's just leave it at that. It's when people's ideas are lead to things that are dangerous and stuff. And that's where I draw the line. It's like, okay, now, now we can't discuss that. We can't have these conversations or I cannot be your friend. I get, I hate having points hammered in my face and I do it yeah. to him too. Or other people too. It's not just me and Joe. Sure. It's plenty of people. I, I just waste time. You tell me something and you're shoving it down my throat that I'm not going to change. But Joe's my mind like on. Joe's like game day Nate, Nate Geary. When things are happening real time in the world, he's like political Nate Geary game day. Like over <laughs> like he is so intense and so passionate and so overreactionary in those moments. Like I, I also am a friend of me with Joe and I like him. I think he's actually a real smart guy. Uh, but he gets just so mad and angry in the moment and just will blast out whatever uh is is coming his way and nate does that during game day and he says all the time like you can't take me seriously in those moments joe really wants to do a podcast with you on it too he's not gonna get the rise out of me he thinks he is (laughs) everyone thinks they're gonna get gonna get to me we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, which is pretty much everyone these days, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw out some cash on them. You're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting the underdogs or profiting the most if you're going to go with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sports books to get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, the Odds Trader app gives you the player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a bet tracker so that you can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're into betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash blue wire. Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. <laughs> I'm back with Aaron Quinn. As we were going to break, he says he's not going to get the rise out of me that he thinks. I agree because you know what? You are, and this is another thing too, and I think people feed into this. You are, and I've known you for a while now, and I've obviously talked to you all the time. You are very level-headed. You're not hot-headed. At least if you are, you're not when we do this podcast. You're, sure. you're not on social media. You are level with the Buffalo Bills. Like, I don't think you get too high when things are going good, and I also don't think you get too low. The sky's not falling when Dane Jackson has a couple shitty games or the Bills lose sure. on the road to the Jets. Whereas me, I'm a little bit more of a – I'm a lot more of a knee-jerk reactor, an emotional guy. You know, so being an emotionally charged guy, I'm hot-headed. And mm-hmm. Joe's hot-headed. And a lot of people, not just, again, forget us two. People in general, there's a lot of hot-headed people on social media, and it just leads to – a lot of ugliness, but anyway, it's easy to fire off thoughts, right? Yes. Like that's the problem with Twitter is it's so easy and you can just put a thought out there and get it out. Um, and so if you are a person that is reactionary, I got man, if you go through my game day thread, you'll see some stuff. Um, I equally get called a Homer, uh, and a Debbie downer. So I, I think I got some reaction. I don't see it. I don't see that. the Debbie downer part. If somebody called you a Homer, I could see it. Now I don't believe it because I sure. know you well enough sure, and sure. I know you're objective, but I don't see the Debbie Downer. I don't think so, but I don't know. you can't please anyone on the internet, man. Everybody's got an opinion. All right. Anyway, a, a very big game coming up Monday night for the Buffalo Bills. I'll tell you what, this is only the second time this entire season for the Bills where I feel like Buffalo is going to have to do more than just simply go out and, and not blow the game, not beat themselves. I, I think for the Bills to win on Monday night, they're going to have to play a good game. You're not going to get away with just simply not beating yourself. The only other game this whole entire season I felt that same way was Kansas City. And the Bills went out and they they played well. You know, every other game, it's just like, hey, don't beat yourself, boys. Um, You might be hearing my kids in the background. They were quiet for like the first half hour of the show. Yes, I like it, man. That's cool. What Um, uh, let, let me ask you this. So you yeah. guys did, I don't want to get too, you know, deep in the weeds when, when it comes to a, a Bill's Bengals preview, but sure. I will ask you because you did your show with uh, Greg Les. I know you had a couple of guests on as well. What were some of your main talking points going into this game? Um, that the Bengals are one of the best teams the Bills are facing this year, right? This is the, probably the biggest matchup in the NFL uh, for the season. Um, I think, 
everybody knows that stuff, right? Like we know who Burrow is. We know who Ch- Jamar Chase is. We know T mm-hmm. Higgins. We know Mixon. So th- that was where we were trying to avoid on our show. Is like, we know what they can do. We know that Dane Jackson's probably going to struggle. They're going to get explosive plays. You're not going to stop this offense. The Bills aren't going to probably hold them under 20. Like all those things, I think we just have to acknowledge. The other thing, though, I think that maybe gets a little bit overblown by the media right now because we get hyped up in, in, in the current vibe and in the current recency biases. I think people are taking the Bengals' ability to beat the Kansas City Chiefs regularly and saying that the, that the Bengals are in that tier of elite teams in the NFL. And I maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'll get dunked on all weekend long uh, on Monday night, but I, I still think that it's the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles and I th- the Bengals are on that top next tier. I really don't believe that they are in the Super Bowl contender category quite yet. Can they get hot and be that team like they were last year that rides a wave to the Super Bowl? For sure. But outside of that Kansas City Chiefs win, which again, impressive that they continue to beat the Chiefs three times in a row, they've got the recipe. So good on them. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. It is a very good football team. But outside of that, they, the wins have, that they've stacked up haven't been impressive. They haven't all been blowouts. They haven't played, again, similar to the Bills. They haven't put together perfect football. They're trending in the right direction at the right time, but they're not some team that is without flaw. And so I think we look at them because they do have superstar talent that can keep up with the Bills, and they have the potential to go off explosively on offense. And we see some faults with this defense. I think a lot of the questions about the defense is nitpicking, really. I think Bill, the Bills by all measures, have an elite defense. And when we start talking about missed tackle percentages and things like that, I think we're nitpicking a little bit because those problems aren't really over the stretch of the sample size that we have for the season, haven't really been that big of an issue when you're holding opponents to 17 points a game and you have the best red zone defense in the NFL and you have the best rushing defense in the NFL and all these statistics favor it being an elite defense here. I think ultimately the Bills are a step above. I think they're a more balanced team. I think they have more experience in close games. I think that they have uh, more versatility. Like, I love Joe Burrow. I love what he can do. I think he is an elite QB in the NFL. But I think Josh Allen is like one of three, one of two type of guys. And so I think still the Bills have the advantage, especially if the weather's not going to be a problem. They're talking like 50 degrees, maybe down to the 40s in the evening, maybe some light drizzle that's going to be the best weather game the Bills have played in a month and a half, Pat. Like, I know. you know, people are frustrated. Diggs isn't getting the ball. The offense isn't clicking at all times. It's like, man, some of the conditions they've played in. I, I think people are underestimating how bad things were in Chicago for that game with how good the run game looked and stuff like that. And people were concerned Josh Allen have a crappy game. Those were terrible conditions. It didn't show up on the broadcast because it's wind and cold. Like, those don't display themselves in the same way as rain. So, but they have not played a nice weather game. And we're talking about uh, 50 with drizzle at night in Cincinnati as maybe the best w- game they've played in five, six games. Yeah. I There's a few things about the Bengals I want to bring up. You just, uh, and I do the same thing. You, I think you just did it. Um, so you have your words about them. And I agree with everything for the most part that you said, except I do think that they're right there on that level. But it's almost like you, I, and, and most people talk about the, the Bengals like they're, like, they're still on the come-up. I mean, they, they went to the Super Bowl last year. They won the AFC, which, again, I know there's a lot of teams that get to a Super Bowl one year, but they're not really good. Just everything seems to fall in place, and then they fall right back the next year. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing that with Cincinnati. I, no. they're, they're in a – I think some of that is the Ravens are struggling. Sure. Um Cleveland injuries and, again. Yeah, Cleveland and the Steelers are not good football teams this year. No. So that helps inflate that a little bit. Again, I think they're good. I think they're a playoff team. I think they're in the caliber of the Miami Dolphins, the Minnesota Vikings, who I think their record's a little inflated with some luck in those one-score games. That's the tier right now that I put them on. They have the chance this weekend either by beating the Bills in whatever scenario that could be, or even a real close nail biter, exactly what Vegas is predicting this game to be, where they just go toe to toe with the bills. Then I think that I would put them into that category with the bills, with the chiefs, with the Eagles, as just those top teams in the league that are contending for a super bowl. I just, I know they were at the super bowl last year. I thought a little bit that was fraudulent. I think both the Rams and Bengals getting to the super bowl last year was a really wacky year of those sure. every divisional game ended in a one score game so you're going to have yeah. some of those that probably don't go the way that they ought to and so but yeah, the rams I, plummeted this year and yeah. the Bengals are still 
And you really look at some good. of the coaching decisions in some of the games and why teams advance. Like, I don't know that the teams that deserved to or the teams that were the best teams in the playoffs got to the Super Bowl last year, which is okay. That's the design of the tournament. But, so, but I thought they were a little fraudulent last year, and I don't think – I think they're riding that hype again into the playoffs. And we did a big playoff extravaganza, and a lot of guys were worried about the Bengals. And I was like, I don't know. I just don't see it, you know. Um with consistency and then I kind of looked like an idiot when they got to the Super Bowl but I still stand by the take that I don't think they were that team a year ago I think this is a better Bengals team than they were I, a year. I think the offense is better I think that they have more splash on defense but I don't know man it's interesting because this is the one matchup you know last year when the Bills lost to the Chiefs in the 13 seconds we were as the mafia super confident that if the Bills got past that that they were just going to blow through the Bengals right I like was we, yeah, and again, these aren't the same teams, but we haven't gotten to see this matchup of what some consider to be a top contender in the AFC, but it's not universal. Like, not everybody was in on the Bengals to be a top contender. So this matchup, to me, is the best matchup for the NFL this year. They've had some stinker primetime games come up this year. So they're finally getting really two top-notch teams, I think, both trending in the right direction heading into the postseason. This is you still got a week before the season wraps up. So the game matters to these teams. You're jockeying for that one seed. Like everybody's got something to prove in this game on the national stage. I, I don't think we've seen a better game in terms of a heavyweight fight shaping up to a primetime game than we're going to get in this one. I just hope it lives up to the hype that it's going to get as we ramp into this week. I would be stunned if it doesn't. Um, yeah. You know, I saw a stat. I often think stats are overrated. I, sure. I really do. But I know you're a big DVOA guy. I do like and, it. Yep. And I saw a graphic with that stat. The Bills are second in the NFL at 29.9%. San Francisco's first at 36. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the DVOA, DVOA means, but I know this. I looked at the leaders. San Francisco's one. Buffalo's two. Cincy's four. Top six were San Francisco, Buffalo, Philly, Cincinnati, Kansas City, and Dallas. Guess what? Those are the six best teams in the NFL. So it's obvious that that stat must be correlated to to good teams. And I and I noticed that both Buffalo and Cincy were in uh in the top four there. I think the Bengals are going to be hype, man. I I think to some extent, even what you just said, I think they feel a little bit of disrespect. I think that they feel like they are on that same level as Buffalo and Kansas City and and, and Philly. Everyone still talks Bills and Chiefs in the AFC. And I get it. I I know why. Um, Joey Burrow too. Now I know a lot of people and maybe players do, maybe they don't. I know fans certainly do. Um, if Joe Burrow goes out on Monday night and he plays really well and they beat the bills, he very well can win MVP. I mean, you're talking about a guy who will beat Mahomes and Joey Burrow in the same year. And if mm-hmm. he plays oh, well yeah. doing it, I think they got a real chance. And when he's three and over Pat Mahomes, which again, you said it, it's kind of just weird. They just have that formula to, to play the bet or to play the Chiefs well, I don't know. I just think this is going to be a really hype team now. I think, don't get me wrong. I still think I think he gets some team. votes. I think he gets them some. I think it's going to be Mahomes when is going to win MVP no matter so what. I, right? Like, um, unless he really re- well, who's he going to really play bad against these last two games? That's what I'm saying. And even if even if he does, <laughs> like in their losses, he's still balled out. Like mm-hmm. he's he's having such a good season. I can't see it him not getting. It. I think whoever wins this game Monday will earn themselves more votes than they would have otherwise gotten in the MVP race. And I think if Allen wins, it'll be shockingly close of a race this year between Mahomes and Allen, where it's not like Allen gets the, whatever he got last year, two, three votes. Like he'll get, it'll be a a big lion share. If Allen wins where Joe Burrow, I think if he wins this game, it's not as big of a share, but it will increase his bump in those votes. Sure. I, you know, I, I think that, and who cares? In yeah, the grand scheme okay. of things, but I, I think I think the ship sailed on, on Josh winning MVP last week. Maybe not fair, like you said, the conditions were terrible, but two interceptions that were that were not good. That that shows sure. up on the statue. Look, this game's pretty simple for for the Bills. I'll break it down real quick. The Bills win; they're the number one seed. Long as they don't choke against at home against the Patriots in Week 18, the Bills are the one seed. If the Bills lose; they're certainly almost done being the number one seed. It would take Kansas then City just resting people, right? Like it, it could happen, right? Right, they can't be any worse than the third seed. They can't be any worse than the third seed. So if they, if the Bills, let's just say the Bills lose, we're going to go ahead and give Kansas City the one. You're and getting a buy either way, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, the Bills. If it, either way, you're getting somewhat of a buy, whether or not you, if you win this game, you're going to get you'd probably get the buy sure. for the for the bye week. 
Yeah. Um, and if you lose this game, you're at least like Josh Diggs, like you're, you're important guys. You're going to still have to play some people because the 53 man roster is only so big. You're going to have to have some of those bit major guys play some snaps, but you're going to be able to rest a lot of your team. Oh, so um, you're saying the for, bills will rest a lot of guys. If they lose, I hope tonight, I don't think you go game. into a game against the Patriots. That doesn't matter. And the worst you can get is third place and the buys already off the table right like if you lose to the Bengals, sure. that's off the table you're done uh chasing that and so i would use the opportunity to not put more mileage on josh not put more mileage on anyone that's you know dinged up and needs a break i would get that in immediately that's sensible i i will say this though too if, let's just say the bills lose the way they could still be in the number number one seed will be gone but they would be number two if the Bengals lost in week 18 and they sure. do it's at home but they are playing the ravens and maybe lamar's back for that game that's not a gimme. That's not like the Chiefs playing the Broncos, you know what I mean, in week 18. Mm-hmm. So being two versus three is significant, obviously, be- because you're you're guaranteed two home games in Orchard Park instead of one. Like if, if the Bills lose on Monday night, and let's just say the Bengals handle business in week 18, now you're talking about the divisional round, assuming you win the wild card round, you're going to Cincinnati again for the divisional round instead of them coming to you if you're the two. Sure. So, but is that going to make you risk? starters and, and depending on think, another yeah. team to beat the Bengals, probably not. I never really thought of that till you just said that. I mean, Except, maybe the plan is where it's like Allen for a couple series. You go out and try to get that lead and, and walk walk those guys off the state out um off the field. I don't know. I also think the I hate to sound real homery cocky, but I think the Bills could probably work the Patriots even with like Case Keenum and you know so he's in running game. I think you'd be fine to get through a game like that and and the Patriots seem to be in disarray right now to me. Yeah. Well even keeping that game, they were close with the Bengals. That was fluky, man. That was a fluky-ass game of them keeping that game close. They had no business in that. Oh, I got so mad, too, when they lost. You know, look, it's easy to be hindsight. There's the, every team around the NFL could say, oh, my God, there's one game we should have won. How did we lose this game? I can't stop thinking about that Vikings game. I'm going to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, except for the Vikings. The Vikings are the only team that seems to be freaking winning every one of those. Right. That three-score lead they blew in yeah. the second half. If Josh Allen gets that snap and, and gets that knee down and they – the Bills could lose to the Bengals and still win the, the, the being the number one seed, even if they yeah. lost on Monday night. So, oh, that haunts me a There's little bit. One. And that's why yeah. during these games where people are like, oh, it's a long season, it don't mean that much. It kind of does because it comes back. It always I don't comes know. back. I don't, it always I don't comes back much, in the end. I don't know how much the bye matters, to be honest. I don't know that it's uh, – Outside home field advantage somewhat matters. Again, there's data that says that doesn't ma- mean what it used to mean. Uh, home field advantage that some of that's not as important. Joe as swears is not. Joe swears is not even an advantage for the Bills to play in Orchard Park because of the weather. He says he would rather play. He'd rather go to Cincinnati in forty. He'd rather go to Cincinnati if it's forty two degrees out and calm. Then be at home in Orchard Park if it's 15 degrees out with 15, 20, 25 miles. I guess out there's itself. a variance that in, is included with. I don't agree with weather, that. But I think my thing is um, in weather, the guy that touches the ball the most, um, we always have the advantage. I right. Agree. So, like, if you have a, a quarterback and you, you need to throw in a certain situation, I'm taking Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes over every single other human being in the world to throw in weather conditions. And so I think that that's a substantial advantage, um, even in bad weather. So I don't know that I totally agree with that take, but in terms of there's a lot of people out there that believe, and I'm kind of in this camp that as long as you are, uh, you know, handle business when you have to, and you're a 10 to 12 win team in the NFL, you it's like um, the NCAA bracket, March Madness. It's getting into the tournament, right? Once you're into the tournament, and if you're playing hot going in, we've seen it so many years in March Madness. We've seen it so many years in the NFL where, uh, you know, the March Madness reference would be like that Huskies team that went on the Big East tournament run. That wasn't a great team in the regular season. They got hot at the right time and just took that momentum into the tournament and go on a run. The Bengals last year, uh, the Rams started playing right at the right time when the uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers won a Super Bowl. That wasn't a great season for them. They've had seasons, the last four seasons or something, they were the one seed in the NFC, and they didn't advance as far as they advanced when they were a wild card. Uh, the Giants did it. And again, these aren't the norm. Normally, you don't get a wild card to come in and advance, but it's also not as, you know, I think the 13 seconds really left a lot of scar tissue for Bills fans where we really just think, oh, if we were just at home, that game goes different. All we need is home field, and everything mm-hmm. changes, and it fixes everything. The Bills still need to, at the end of the day, execute in those situations and be better in those situations, whether it's in Buffalo, whether it's on in KC. And we have seen this year them improve 
in a lot of those areas. We've seen some really good closing out game type situations, even as going back to a week ago. And so I think they are improving in that area. I'm willing to take if this team is doing what I think they're doing, which is getting the offense back to more balance, trending in the right way. Um, the defense is really playing lockdown, Ben, but don't break. I think that, you know, people are going to be frustrated in a game like this, Pat, where, you know, Joe Burrow and, and T Higgins and Jamar Chase are going to win most of their matchups, just like they do against every other team. Quarterbacks throw for 60% league wide for a reason. They win the majority of matchups. Offense is winning. There'll be some frustrations, but this is probably the best defense that that Bengals offense has also faced. And so sure. I think you get this team heading in the right direction, getting into the postseason. That's all I care about. For me personally, I want the one seed that would be cooler. That'd be easier. I want the games in Buffalo, but just be playing the best football you can at the right time, get into the tournament and go on a run. That's really what it's all about. You know, it's it's a top heavy year in the AFC. I was, while you were talking, I was looking up on the computer cause I couldn't remember. So it's, it's not even just possible. It's realistic that the bills could lose on Monday, win week 18, whether they played their backups or not finish 13 or four. What is it? 13 and four. What would be the record if they lost? 14 and 4. 14, 14 and 4. Right? So, no, 13 and 4. 17 games. 13 and 4. I'll get yeah. it right. So they could finish 13 and 4 this year and be the third seed. I looked last year, the Tennessee Titans were the one seed at 12 and 5. Yeah. The Bills can be 13 and 4 this year and, and still end up being the three. One other question, too. Now we're looking ahead a little bit, so I'm projecting, but right now, as things stand today, now I know there's no team that's necessarily going to scare you, but yeah. You look at the playoffs and, and how things are starting to shape up and whether the Bills are the one, the two, the three, whatever. Name me a team that you would play in the first round that would probably have you, again, I don't want to say scared, but uh, certainly concerned a little bit if, if you're a Bills fan. Like, what team do you want to play the least in the first round right now? So who would be the current, like, even possible uh, matchups? Well, I'm trying to think. Probably uh, the Chargers, the, the Dolphins, the Ravens. Probably one of them. I, I feel like those are going to be the three wildcard teams. Although the Chargers are no longer a lock, man, because two was out. Yeah, I'm looking right? it up now. So right now the Chargers are the sixth seed, yeah. right? Um, and so the Bills right now are the one seed. So I don't know. Like, Jaguars are probably the team in it right now that I want the most. And they're the fourth seed. Um, that's the matchup that you want to get. Uh, the I want Miami the most. I don't know, man. It, it depends where two is at, right? Like, um, I don't care. I, I don't think they're. I think they're a mid team. I don't think they're on the elite side. My concern with Miami still is that if things are functioning, like that's the problem with Tua is if everything's going right, that's the system that you can win with, and that's hard to replicate over and over again. But when you get it right for one game it can be magic. It can be explosive. I've yeah. watched too many Miami games where they just, even in games they don't belong in, just get a 60 yarder here, a 70 yarder. Then it's like, damn, they're back in a game. What the mm-hmm. f-? you're like, and that was the problem with the bills with that speed in Kansas city. And I don't, I don't think Tua can do it in the big moment. I, I think that's probably their problem. Similar to like a Kirk cousins, probably not going to get it done in the big moment, but I don't want to face the potential of the most explosive potential offense in the NFL having a day against us and ruining our game plan where I don't think part of the problem too, is it's not, I'm not talking about, you know, the teams that I think that you would face later. I'm thinking about these bottom teams um, in this, right, like, who's course. an annoying sneaky team. You know, if Kansas or uh, if Baltimore, if Lamar gets healthy and Baltimore gets healthy and starts clicking, like they've had a really weird two seasons in Baltimore um, but that's always a team that I feel like if they do get right at the right time, they have all the makings to be a really good team. But I, it's Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. People knock them a lot. But one thing they would have been, done a very good job at, we saw it against the Bears with Fields, is containing those like mobile athletic QBs that are run first type QBs. And they did a really good job with Lamar so far in their recent history. And so I, I would feel good about that matchup. It's the speed of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle that just absolutely terrifies me. I, it's easy for me. And you didn't even mention this team. And I know why. And I know if I, when I bring them up, a lot of people are going to dismiss them for, and I, and I get why it's the chargers. I just think they're, they're, they're like Miami in terms of being dangerous. Like you just said, you know, put things together. You could have like that magical day. And it's like, dude, they got a, (laughs) they got a good quarterback. They got multiple good receivers. They got Mm -hmm. two good running backs, including a great one. And they got guys who could get after a quarterback and wreck a day. Yeah, and I do love the games too. Yeah. So, I mean, I think 
They're getting I, pretty I high, too, Herbert, by the way. I think Herbert gets way a little bit overhyped. I think that Twitter loves him. I think that the media loves him. I think he he looks like if I was to cast a QB, I would have like casted Justin Herbert. Like he looks the part. He's got the long hair. He's got the physique. Like he's tall. He's got the chiseled build. And he does make nice that when everything's clean and sometimes on the run, like he can make some crazy good throws. He's got a good arm, but I just feel like he falls short. Like it's hollow. It's a little bit toothless. Like when you need him to make, plays it just seems like it breaks down he's not quite there and I think you know to your point of Joe Burrow feeling disrespected I think early this year a lot of people just wanted to hype up the Chargers and hype up Herbert as this like he's in there with Mahomes and Allen and people were kind of leaving Burrow out of it I would take Joe Burrow right now nine eight ten out of ten times over Herbert if I was starting a franchise like Burrow should be getting more credit than Herbert so that's a other thing is like the Chargers I just haven't seen this is his first entry into the playoffs. Like, I will take that. I think Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier against a Justin Herbert in his first playoff game, I'm taking that all day, every day. They're, uh, they were supposed to be right there with the Chiefs before the season, you know, in this vaunted yeah. AFC West, which never materialized. I, I tend to agree. They, they are playing good now, though, but I will say it's the offensive line. I, I think the Bills' front seven could dominate the Chargers' offensive line and create a lot of problems for Herbert. There's no team that I'm afraid of. I'm just yeah. saying of those teams – Sure. I just don't think Baltimore, they can make it an ugly game, really, see, really good defense. But... Yeah, Khalil Mack against right. Or Rose against Brown. Right yeah, four yeah. sacks against Spencer yeah. Brown. I can see it happening. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. yeah that, 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 that's the one that I definitely I, I don't want to see. But anyway, it's going to be a good game. Um, pretty big stakes. I never thought about that take that or what you said, that it might be uh, the Bills might rest their starters if they lose. I never really thought of that. It, it might make sense. I don't know. I'm we'll wrong see. all the time, so don't bank on it. Well, I hope you're wrong about it. I hope we don't get to find out. Let's just <laughs> yeah, put it right, that yeah. way, man. Anyway, all right, man. Uh, thank you for doing the podcast. I, I know you got a lot going on in, in uh, the Aaron Quinn household this week. It's busy, yeah. It is, but I always appreciate you, man. Again, last episode of the year. Happy New Year, um, man. I would say everyone stay safe. Everyone, of course, stay safe, but it, it looks nice out, dude. It's like. If you and I are going to go out for lunch Make right sure now. Make sure the basements don't flood, yeah. <laughs> That's about All it. Right. All right, man. Guys, take care. Talk to you soon. Um, Happy, well, I guess I could say it now. Happy New Year. So uh, yeah. talk to you guys early next week.